Hey, 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 hey everyone, what is going on today? I'm Greg, this is Game Talk Radio, welcome back to you, welcome back to me. It's been two weeks, we took off two weeks for our holiday break, which is not really a break. <laughs> it's a break from making this podcast, but in actuality it is my busiest time of the year. It is madness at the store, uh, to say the least, it is a crazy time awesome time, but time uh, time flies so fast, and the schedule's all up in arms, and uh, this year, Tuesday was, uh, it was, yeah, Christmas Eve, and then it was New Year's Eve, so unfortunately, both those days, I wouldn't have been able to squeak out one anyway, so this is going to be probably a regular thing for me, though, too, is just taking that two weeks off in between, uh, because work just gets so crazy, and as much as I love doing this, unfortunately, it is not the priority, uh, you know, but priority is always going to be my store, and this is just something I like to do on the side for fun. Hopefully, you all enjoy it as well. Um, it was uh, an unbelievable year. We we beat last year, which I never thought was going to happen. We had such a dynamite last year, and I was like, "There's no way we're going to beat that this year," uh, and and we did, <laughs> not by much, <laughs> but we did. And I think in in a business like mine. All you can really hope for is that every year you're doing a little bit more than you did the year before. And we've been on a nine-year growth trajectory. And, and, and I'm very proud of that. In fact, that's how I measure a lot of my success, which means this year is going to be really tough. If we end up leveling off and not beating last year, I'll be really disappointed, you know, because of nine years, nine years of growing the business, nine years of using that as my 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 staple of success now, if I don't do that, I'll be crushed, you know, and that's obviously stupid. And I know that's stupid. That's what a rational brain says. I don't have a rational brain. <laughs> so that's just how it is. It, it was, um, it was awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm glad the season's over. Yesterday was actually seemingly back to a normal day. Not a ton of trade, not a ton of sales. It was just like an average day. We got caught up on stuff. It's like, it's weird because I'm still in turbo mode. So I'm, I'm getting everything done as fast as possible. And you're standing there like, oh, now, obviously, as a business owner, I have about a million things that I need to get done that I never get done. So I'm never out of things to do. I just have to figure out what order I want to do the things in and which things I will let fall to the wayside. But it is, it, it was just, uh, man, it, it was incredible. You know, another incredible year and stressful. It's, it's always very stressful. And people always ask me, like, oh, hey, how was your Christmas? And I'm like, well, it was good, but it's always very short. You know, when you work in retail, Christmas is always very short because you kind of, and you kind of want it to be, <laughs> you kind of want it to get over with, but then you don't really, it's really hard to get in the spirit. And a couple of years ago, I had this thought that I don't know why it finally clicked with me. And I said, you know what? The Christmas spirit, in my opinion, doesn't just come to you. You got to put yourself in the Christmas spirit. Maybe not everybody's like that, but me, I have to put myself in the Christmas spirit. So this year was a weird one. We had Thanksgiving was super late. It was four weeks, technically less than four weeks to Christmas by like a day. And so it was super short in the middle. We had the weird weather where snow was all melted. Like we had one snowstorm like around Thanksgiving, but like before, and then it was like there was no snow. And then it was it, it was like warm weather and foggy. Like Christmas Eve was foggy like Silent Hill around here. It was so weird. I mean, I was driving on the freeway and you couldn't see two seconds in front of you. It was it was awful, actually. <laughs> I waited for someone to pass me and then I just followed their taillights <laughs> all the way to where I was going. And so I, I, this year though, I failed to get into the Christmas spirit. I really did. And it, it really sucked because 
I, I wanted to, you know, I, I, I want to feel like that magical sort of feeling that a lot of people get. And I don't know if this will make sense to you or not, but working corporate retail like I did for so many years, that time of year was never fun. In fact, it was always very stressful and it was, it always meant it, a lot of, a lot, along with it came a lot of anxiety. And so it, it, it's hard to even shake that nine years later. You know, as of April, I'll have been, I'll have had my store for nine years. I'll be starting year 10. Nine years as of April, I'll have been open. And I still feel like when the holidays come around that I've got this anxiety built up from the terrible holidays I used to spend at GameStop. Now, it's a lot different than it used to be. But when I was there, they, from Thanksgiving until Christmas, they put you on mandatory six-day work weeks. So you were working mandatory I think minimum was 54 hours, if I remember correctly. Mandatory 54-hour weeks for the entire month between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so it, it was just one of those times. And then that was, of course, the time of year I worked at the mall store a lot. So the mall store would get these huge shipments because the mall store was crazy busy. It's a mall. And, of course, it's a mall circa 15 years ago. So a lot more busy than they are now. And so it was crazy busy. It was, it was super stressful. You're getting tons of shipments. And so like we have this little small store and they're sending you a hundred boxes of shipment that you can barely fit into your back room. You got to get through that before the day's over. And then of course you've got, well, you know, sales aren't up to snuff. So we're, we're cutting payroll. We need everybody to cut payroll. And you're like, how, how can you expect me to get all this stuff done? Anyway, the whole thing together, all these little pieces bring together essentially without trying to take away from this term for people who actually suffer from it, it, there's some sort of like PTSD there, retail PTSD, you know, where it's just, I still feel the horribleness of that season from when I worked corporate retail. Long story short, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. And it sucks. So it's extra hard for me to get into the holiday season. And then this year with it being so short, we didn't decorate the store because we, by the time we were going to get the decorations up when we had a free moment to do that, it was, two and a half weeks to Christmas, three weeks to Christmas. Well, why put up decorations for three weeks? Seems silly to me. You know, so we didn't do any of that stuff. I'm going to make sure next year we do right after Thanksgiving, that stuff is going up and it is Christmas time, all of December at Game Trade. And then around the house too, Jenny and I actually, we got our tree up pretty early this year and we still have it up because we're, we're probably going to leave it up through January because I just, I hate putting something up for like three or four weeks. It's just so, so pointless to me. It's kind of like, and she would disagree with me. Kind of like making your bed. Can I just can I just go on a little tangent here? It makes no sense to me to make your bed. You're just gonna get up. You're just gonna lay in it when you get home, and you're just gonna mock it all up there again. Okay, so I don't see the point. Jenny, unfortunately, like she loves it and she gets irritated with me that I don't make the bed when I get up. But it doesn't make any sense to me. You're just gonna come muck it all up um, again once the once you go to bed. That's the point. She'll hear this and she'll just be like, she'll roll her eyes. I can hear her eyes rolling from work, even though she's not even listening to me record this. I can hear her eyes rolling in the back of her head. And I get it. For some people, it's part of their morning routine and they like to be all neat and spiffy and that's fine. But me, no thank you. <laughs> no thank you. I will happily, happily just leave my bed. Like, like, you know how when you throw the blankets off, you get like that perfect triangle of non-blanket part on the bed, right? I just want that there. It's so welcoming. You know, I, I go upstairs to bed at night and I'm like, oh, look at this. The bed just says, hey, Greg, come on in. Come on in, Greg. And I'm like, hey, thanks, bed. I'm going to come in. 
because it's nice in here and you're so welcoming and warm. I don't have to do all that effort of pulling the sheet back and pulling the other blankets back. Okay, now I'm being a little goofy. It's not that much work. But you know what? I don't care. It seems pointless to me. So, again, it felt pointless to put up holiday decorations when they were going to come down right away. That's that's my point of that in, near incoherent rambling. I just went on about making your bed. That's the point. Do you guys want to talk about some game stuff? You want to talk about video games? I heard you like video games. I kind of like video games. I've been crushing some games in November and December, and now I hit a brick wall, of course. Uh, but I, I had quite the end of the year. Uh, I had, man, I went from, like, just November, December was Death Stranding, Jedi Fallen Order, Control, Blasphemous, Valfar Valfaris. Those were like the five in a row I took down. And then I started playing Battle Chasers, which I actually quite like. But it's a turn-based RPG, and I hit that kind of, well, you need to grind a little bit more, but everything you're grinding is slow and boring. And then there's side missions to do, but you're not high enough level to do the side missions yet. And so I just kind of hit this, like, mm, the things I want to do, I don't want to do. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come to terms. You know, I try to finish every game I play that I like because I like to say I finished it. But now there's a part, a part of me that says, are you going to play another 20 hours to finish it? Or should you play something else that you might actually enjoy more? But then if you start saying that too much, then you don't start finishing any games. And then you start just moving on to everything. And I do feel like certain games like Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order came together in the end. It was, it, was a, it was an okay game. It was pretty good. And then it really came together in the end. So if you don't play it to the end, you don't get it. Death Stranding's kind of the same way. Like Death Stranding was more like the whole point you're playing this is for this cool world and story. So you got to see it through. The gameplay... Um, almost unplayable in my opinion it's just it's it's almost unplayable like this is how i say it best death stranding and i said this to you guys before but death stranding couldn't get out of its own way as soon as you start to have fun the game shows up and it's like nah nah we're not doing that you're not having fun get out of here get out of here kid i'm not having fun today okay cool hey i found a new way to have fun though game is this cool nah that ain't cool man you can't do that get out of here kid go go ahead try to have fun some ways else well we say it's okay I don't know what accent that is, but I'm I am nuts today. So I'm just so excited to be back. It is so it's so good to be behind the mic. And I won't even lie, there was a little bit of I was having a little bit of anxiety about coming back and doing this again because it's so I like to start projects and there's so much stuff like I'm doing the Metal Gear Salad podcast, which I've got to do episode two. We haven't even recorded it yet. So I gotta get Josh on suggested gaming on that. Then I do this. Then I've got my my brother. And I are working on our video game still. So I got to find time to work on that. Then I got to find time to, you know, relax and enjoy some game time. Oh, and I got to watch some shows and I got to hang with my wife. And I'm getting fatter again, which is frustrating. So I got to find time to go to the gym. You know, all these things, man, they come together. And so you got to figure it out. So what is cool, though, is I'm charging up my VR right now. And I'm going to see about a VR workout regiment. I'm going to see about playing Beat Saber and playing some game Jordans and playing some shoot some shooter that I really want to try out, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little nuts with that VR. So we're going to see how it goes, but you know, you got to find time for all these things. And so I was feeling a little bit of anxiety about this podcast, even like, Oh my God, I got to do this. And then, Oh, you know, the, and what I'm talking about today, the, the, the top games of the decade, it's not going to make for much of a YouTube video. I'll start, I'll still probably put it up. And then I found another story I did want to talk about, you know, so I'm only, I might just have the two YouTube videos today. I like to try to do three to four a week. That's not happening, so I'm stressed out about that. Jordan's putting up crazy content throughout the holidays, and I didn't do a single piece of content over the last two weeks. Almost three weeks. And so, 
yeah, really it's three weeks because I didn't do last week. I didn't do the week before and I did do this week, but it's like, yeah, it's like two and a half weeks, no content. But what a lot of people don't realize about this too. One, a lot of people don't do this as a way to make a living. And I, I'm going to put myself in that category. Like I don't ever think I'm going to be a streamer slash YouTuber for a living. Um, but it's a creative outlet. And I, and I think a lot more people should stream and should do podcasts and stuff. Talk about things you're passionate about. Put it out there. You know, it, it's, it's fun to flex your creative muscles a little bit, whether it's art, whether it's the gift of gab like I have, or it's sewing or it's woodworking or whatever. Like, flex it, you know? And I'm not even saying you have to show it on stream or anything. I'm just saying, like, go out in the garage, you know, and, like, sand down a coffee table and restain it if that makes you feel good and you've put your personal touch on it, you know? So, anyway, the the power of, of, of creative flexing, I think, is, is a big deal, is my point. I'm trying to drink more water. You want to lose weight, you got to drink a lot of water, by the way, in case you don't know that. If you're trying to lose weight, a lot of us have resolutions. Um, I have a few resolutions this year. I know we're going to get to the game stuff, but this technically these resolutions are game related. One of my resolutions this year is I'm going to try to finish more games. Like I want to, I want to play more games, but I want to finish them and I want to finish them faster. And I want to roll in because we've got Dragon Ball Kakarot coming up. We've got Final Fantasy seven remake, cyberpunk, Resident Evil three remake. I mean, there's some ridiculous stuff coming out and I got to get it all. I got to get it all. And I will. So I got to work on that. And then I want to play. I want to play a few more retro games too. Like this year on Extra Life, I beat Metal Gear, so I put down Metal Gear. Jack and I almost beat Turtles last <laughs> two years ago, but Gremlins we finished. Like I've gone through a lot of my NES collection, finished Batman. I want to finish some of these other ones too, like Adventure Island and Captain America, and just go through some of these kind of wackier games that I've always wanted to finish. Ducktales one and two, like I've beat them in the past, but like just finish them, finish my copies, so that I can say, hey, that copy of my collection, I beat that. Beat Little Samson. I'd like to beat Little Samson. I've got that in my collection. It's very expensive. Uh, it shouldn't just be there to look at. It actually is a fun game, so you should beat it. Um, and so that's one of my resolutions. The other resolution I have is to not get... Like, I'm weaning myself off of social media more and more. Twitter I like because Twitter, one, I engage with the people I, I do the radio show with. That's a big deal for me. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's kind of the one way I do interact with people um, outside of when I'm on the radio. And then two, I'm able to communicate with people who I thought almost were uncommunicable, such as David Jaffe. I've had conversations with a really interesting person, plus made some of my favorite games of all time. You know, tweeting at Corey Barlog and uh, and uh, Santa Monica Studios and uh, Insomniac about Spider-Man being my game of the year and having Corey Barlog say, man, I don't blame you. Spider-Man was great. And just little things like that. Twitter, Twitter's my favorite for that. Unfortunately, Twitter does not make... It's easy to have, you know, in-depth conversations, and it's not easy to try to prove your point when you're limited on your characters. And so I'm trying to wean off of that a little bit. I've been really good last year about uh, writing out responses to people and then just deleting it. <laughs> I feel the satisfaction of my point being made, but then I don't have to deal with the consequences of people responding to that and then having to, like, try to explain my point again and stuff like that, um, which is what I'm going to get into a little bit. The one story we're going to talk about is... Uh, the, the the console wars, you know, it's it seems to be heating up again, and we're gonna talk about just the stupidity that is the console wars, uh, and and kind of the Twitter feud and the online feud that goes along with that. Uh, and so and I also have to like Facebook, I'm almost completely weaned off of. I still open it and I look at some of my friends' stuff, not very much at all. If I didn't have to have a personal account to run my business Facebook page, I wouldn't. I would just deactivate it. 
plus that's actually the main way my wife and I communicate as stupid as that sounds like we just started messaging each other on Facebook messenger before we were dating and we, that's just how we communicate. So I need to like get us weaned off of that and get us onto like signal or WhatsApp or something like that. Just get off of Facebook and then eventually just shut my account down and delete it. Plus someday in the future, I might have aspirations to run to, uh, in politics. And if I do that, I need to make sure my Facebook is good and scrumped because <laughs> there is some, I mean, it's not like it's, you know, racist or homophobic stuff. It's just like customer complaints and talking about smelly customers and telling the story about the guy that wanted to kick my ass because I wouldn't buy his broken Xbox, stuff like that, you know, and like there's a lot of in-depth stuff there. <laughs> so, you know, that's the sort of stuff that, I mean, I guess maybe not anymore in this political climate, but, you know, I'd like to have scrubbed clean someday. So with that being said, let's hit it today, folks. We're going to talk about my games of the decade i picked my top 10 games of the decade if you saw the drop cast last night uh you already know it but if you haven't then this here is for you uh and then we're going to talk about the story like i said the uh this the stupidity that is the console wars and then we're going to finish i have an unbelievable pickup pile of the week over here and i have my game of the week picked out we're not going to do any of the fancy music stuff this year we're just gonna have fun y'all so, uh, with that being said, we're going to start with our Xbox story, then we're going to roll into the games of 2020, and yeah, here we go. So first up on the podcast, like I said today, we're going to be talking about the console wars, and how absolutely stupid they are, and how frustrating it is to be on Twitter and to hear morons going back and forth <laughs> about their stupid consumer piece of plastic. Now, before I say anything else, there's nothing wrong having a preference for a specific console. I prefer Sony consoles. I have since the PlayStation 1. That's a, They've grabbed me as a consumer and they haven't let go yet. The early PS3 was rough, but they didn't lose me yet. I have an Xbox 360. I had a regular Xbox. I had 360. I have an Xbox One. I have a gaming PC. I have two gaming PCs, technically. So... I like to play everything, but it's no. there's no problem having a preference. I have a Sony preference when it comes to my game consoles. If I have a multi-plat game, I'm going to pick it up on PS4. That's where I prefer to play. If you prefer Xbox, no problem. Great. And with cross-play being much more of a common thing now, it seems as though it doesn't matter if you have Xbox and I have PS4. If we can still play together, that's fantastic. Plus, now you've got chat programs like Discord and other things that allow you to chat anyway, so you don't really need to all be on the same console anymore is my point. So it's fine. But this, this 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 conversation was ignited because of CES going on. And when I start to see stuff like and we talked a little bit about the Xbox one previously on the podcast where, you know, they revealed the name and they showed a picture of the box. And I was like, oh, it looks like the stones from Fifth Element. And then I said, yeah, it doesn't look like a traditional console. I don't really care. It looks like you can lay it down. It looks like a a rectangle I, who cares you know basically like i don't care what it looks like i care what it does and so there are people making fun of that there are people making fun of the name i'm not making fun of the name i just think that it's confusing for the average consumer the mothers and the grandmothers that come into the store never underestimate the power of the average consumer they are your largest group like obviously the name's not confusing to me the name's not confusing to other people the name is confusing to what I would call the average gamer. The, and I would say the majority. I, I would agree with that. And I know that's anecdotal based off of me owning a video game store. But when you talk to customers, I would say 
I mean, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but something like 25% of people that come in are probably don't know anything about anything. I would say then about 10% are the, what I would call like the elitist informed consumer, which would be like myself, other people that read blogs, you know, follow up on everything. And then you've got this middle of 65%, which is your average kind of consumer. And, and I would say about 65% of those people are average consumers with average knowledge. They know the difference between an Xbox and a PlayStation. They don't know which games are exclusive on each one. People still come in and ask if they get Mario on PlayStation. You know, things like that. It happens. Is Pokemon on PlayStation? No, it's not. You know, that's the, that is the average consumer. Uh, I, I'm just, that, that is the average consumer. Not everyone's this kind of elite level. They're, the average consumer is not watching this video. Let me just say that, you know. Not listening to this podcast either. So with that being said, <laughs> I have a Sony preference always had. Nothing wrong with having a preference. What I do have a problem with is acting like there's some sort of war going on, that there can only be one winner, which is funny also because they don't even throw Switch into this argument. But there can only be a winner. There's either losers and winners in this console war too. Either Sony wins and Microsoft loses, or Microsoft wins and Sony loses, and that's it. That's all you get. There's no, hey, this company was successful and put a lot of money in the bank. This company was also successful, put a little less money in the bank, but was also very successful. That doesn't exist in this universe. And this is just, again, it's incredibly stupid to me. And it's frustrating because you, I try, I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt here. And I try to say, like, no, the average, like, the average customer is not stupid. They're not, they're not manipulated by this shoddy marketing. Like, the average consumer knows better. And I say this a lot on this podcast. Like, we need to do better. We should be better. Well... I, I, maybe I'm wrong <laughs> because I don't know if this is the average consumer. I don't think so. This is this is a small subset of video game fans that seem uneducated or just don't care and just really like to have stupid arguments with people who don't like the things that they like. And I guess it goes back to when I was riding the school bus in like fifth grade. I remember Ford versus Chevy debates, which was stupid since none of us could drive. But Ford versus Chevy debates, and then someone's like, whoa, Dodge. And you're like, come on, Dodge, man. It's Ford versus Chevy. Dodge is the outlier. Well, this is kind of how this is. Like, it's Sony versus Microsoft. Nintendo is the outlier. It's so stupid. So stupid. So this all started, like I said, CES kind of reignited this thing because Phil Spencer tweets out a photo of this chip for the Xbox Series X. And it says 8K on it. And everyone loses their mind. Everyone's just like, what? They're, they're stamping it, baby. That's a big deal. Boom, 8K is on the chip. It's going to do 8K, 12 teraflops, 5,000 gigawatts, uh, uh, 88 miles per hour. I don't know. It's so stupid. This means nothing. This literally means nothing. So then they talk in the CES presentation. Microsoft's like, hey, we're going to be shooting for 8K. That's our target goal is 8K. 8K what? <laughs> 8K Blu-ray? 8K games at 20 frames a second? 8K games at 60 frames a second? 8K static images? What is the point? Stamps at 8K. Xbox fans, which, by the way, if you aren't familiar with this war, if podcast listeners, video watchers, if you're not familiar, the two sides, as they are affectionately referred to as the opposition are the X-Bots and the Ponies. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's funny 
and equal it's equal parts funny and sad all at the same time. So you've got Xbots, those are fans of Microsoft who blindly follow Microsoft. And you've got ponies who are uh, Sony's uh, diehard blind fans. Now let me say, do, is it is it true that they exist? Absolutely. These people are out there, okay? The, yes, 100% fact. There are people out there who love Microsoft, hate Sony, doesn't matter what Sony puts out, they don't want it. And then a lot of the X Xbox people I've seen are hating Microsoft now because Sony had such a good time. They don't love Sony, they'd rather hate their company and hate their experience and buy another piece of plastic, which ultimately isn't that expensive. The PS4 was down to 199 in the last two years on Black Friday. If you didn't, if you had an Xbox and you wanted a PS4 and you didn't buy one over the last two years, you had really no excuse. I mean, come on. And so anyway, 8K. So what does it do? What 8K does it do? We don't know. They don't care. They're not going to tell us because they don't know yet. They've still got to benchmark this thing. They still have to figure it out. But this blows everybody up. Like, look at this. Sony's got nothing. Sony's got nothing. And then they showed, let me see here. I want to show this. So then they show, uh, AMD has like a thing where they're talking, they're doing their presentation. They show a picture of the Xbox one X, which later now has been revealed that this was not official from Microsoft. So we don't even know if what kind of mock-up this is, or if this is the dev kit, or we don't even know what this is, but AMD showed this off like the power of Xbox, AMD and spinning around. It's all fancy. So you look at the back, and this is the big news, right? So, and this is why I was tweeting so sarcastically yesterday, if you follow me on Twitter. But I was like, boom, look at the power, look at the power port right here. Console war is over, baby. Standard power cord, no external power supply. Boom, console war is over. There's two HDMI ports, not one. There's two HDMI ports. Console war is over. Not one, two USB-C charge ports on the back. How's Sony going to compete with that? That's not possible. You can't beat that. What are they going to do? Put three on there? <laughs> Put three on there? It's ridiculous. And you got an optical port for separating your audio out from HD. You got a nice sound system at home. Boom. Kick out some, uh, kick out some uh, uh, optical audio. That's like 20-year-old technology. Yeah. And then an Ethernet port. What? Ethernet? What do you need Ethernet for? Oh, yeah. Probably need a stable internet connection because most of what you're going to be doing on this thing is Game Pass and downloading games and updating and stuff. Cool. Hey, man, here's a new Xbox. That's cool. If you're an Xbox fan and you're mega hyped for Xbox Series X, you got to look at your console. That's rad. This is good news. Happy for you. Don't care. Happy for you. And I am excited. Like I like, I do like this stuff. But the people who take this and start acting like the end of the world is upon us because Microsoft just dropped the bomb, you're, you're mental. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. That's not all I'm going to say. Who am I kidding? I'm going to say a whole lot more. So this is it. This is your console. Okay, cool. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And again, Microsoft comes on and says that's not official, so we don't even know if this is accurate. But this is what the mock-up that AMD had. So I tweeted that out, and I was like, man, this is over. Like, this is done. Console war's over. This is the future. Before it even started, Sony just lost. Sony shouldn't even release the PS5 right now. It doesn't matter that they've sold 106 million units of the PS4. They have a huge install base. Their brand has incredible equity. It's over, man. This thing. Look at this thing. Look at how impressive this tower. You want to talk about the Sega Genesis Tower of Power? Look at this Microsoft Tower of Power. It's incredible. So then, <laughs> later, <laughs> we go to Sony's 
announcement. So Sony's at CES. They're talking about stupid crap. No one cares about like electric cars and computers and cameras and phones. Who cares about that? We all we care about is PlayStation. It's CES. Let's just call it CEPS for CE PlayStation. That's stupid. They weren't gonna announce the PlayStation Five here. I don't understand. Like people get so people overhype themselves, then they don't get mad at themselves for overhyping something. They get mad at the company for not matching their hype levels. It's beyond stupid to me. Be better. Be smarter than that. Come on. It's like it's not that hard to just be a consumer who reads things occasionally. And like I said, I'm not saying don't get excited. Get excited, and then if you overhype yourself, and then you get let down, it's not the company's fault. They didn't let you down. You let yourself down. Blame the right person. Aim that in the right direction. So, they reveal the PlayStation 5 logo. Now, Sony didn't have anything to talk about the PlayStation 5 hardly. They talked about some numbers. They they did some really stupid presentation on, like, how they innovate. And they showed, like, every patch of the PlayStation 4's firmware and how it was like, hey, we added folders. We added this. We added, I'm like, this, this is stupid. Why are you bragging about this? But they talked about VR install base. They talked about PlayStation Plus subscribers. They talked about total units sold tons of stuff and i'm not even sure if that included the holiday numbers because i'd be very curious to see how well the playstation 4 did at the 199 price tag that was an incredible deal and a bundle with three of the best games on playstation 4 just excellent stuff so it sold very well so i don't even know if that 106 million included those numbers yet we may not even have those holiday numbers yet because being only the 7th of well this was yesterday so the 6th of january so Sony, though, not wanting to pull an Activision Blizzard at BlizzCon, they don't start talking about other things and not mention something about their flagship product to a lot of people, which is the PlayStation 5. So they revealed the logo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so oh my. Now, remember I said earlier I'm a Sony. I'm a Sony fan. I prefer the Sony console. Oh, my God. I'm so hyped. Oh, my. This, this is going to be the best console of all time. Look at this. There's a PlayStation logo. Then there's a P, an S, and a 5. It, that's it. I got to take back everything I said yesterday. The console war is not over. The console war is not over. We had Microsoft come with this wicked combo. Boom! Regular power supply. Boom! It has a USB port on the front. Ooh, Sony's on the ropes. Oh, man. Oh, geez. Oh, this Microsoft's attacking us on all fronts. What do they go for? They go for the Hail Mary. Sony comes back with this haymaker, baby. The logo. Wow. What a logo. Oh, man. This is power incarnate. <laughs> okay, I'm done. This is so flippin' stupid. But here's what they had to do. Sony couldn't not say anything about the PS5. They have their event where they're going to reveal everything. This is what they wanted to show us today. Because they're building up to something else. But they didn't want to leave us with nothing. They know that people are excited about the PlayStation 5. They know people had expectations. So what do they do with those expectations? They don't just do an Activision Blizzard and then not only not give them something. And again, this is what's so stupid about it. Remember, we, I talked about this many times. All Blizzard had to do with Diablo 4 was show a logo. So show your Diablo Immortals, do all that stuff, and at the very end just be like, oh, and don't forget PC gamers. We got this. And then you like... You show it, and then this big thing comes up, and it just says Diablo, and it's all on fire. And then the Roman numerals for four, like, come up behind it, and then just like, and then fire, and then you hear like a, and then that's it. That's all you to do. And then Blizzard fans and Diablo fans are just like, 
ah, you know, you got him. You got him. That's all I'm saying. Sony did the same thing here. They looked and said, well, we got to give them something, but we don't have anything to give them. Let's give them the logo. It's not like this is surprising to anyone. This is, it's a five. I mean, it's, it's whatever, but you know, this isn't good enough for some people because somehow polygons, able to make a whole article about people are openly mocking Sony's new PS five logo. And they are. So it's not like this article is inaccurate. However, this article is really stupid because that's what everybody does. Everybody makes fun of everything on Twitter. It's funny. And so we do it because we're all a bunch of smarmy asses. <laughs> you know, it's not, we're all trying to like get our, our, our moment of like going viral because we made a funny quip or a joke that everyone else on the planet loves to agree with. So you got fun people. And then people are making funny pictures like PS, 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 S. And then you've got, oh, the lead, and then they show, oh, they drop the four and put in a five. It is funny. It is funny. And then this is the PlayStation 3 logo, the original one, PlayStation 5. That's funny. It's funny. It's cool. Uh, you know, and then it's like, oh, here's somebody at six, seven, eight, nine. That's probably what they'll look like. And that's fine. That's what, that's what a system looks like. It's fine. This one's really funny. They stretched out and just wrote piss <laughs> instead of writing PS5. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Piss. Piss is funny. P is funny. <laughs> it's okay. So anyway, Polygon does a whole article about people making fun of it. And then you've got Xbox fans coming out. This is all Sony's got, man. Microsoft announced 8K. Sony's scared, man. They got nothing to show. They showed the logo because they, they had nothing. They were they were on their back foot, man. Was, the whole thing was terrible. Oh, Sony's dead in the water. That's Sony sucks. What a great time to be an Xbox fan. Now, if you listen to this podcast before, or if you're still with, if you haven't, and and you're still with me somehow after my shenanigans in this video, then understand that I have no problem with people having a preference. But what I don't understand is why, for someone else to enjoy their piece of product, their piece of plastic, the other one has to fail. Now, I I have people who disagree with me on this, um, but I. I want everyone to do well. I don't see a, I don't see a problem with that. I don't see why it's not a good thing to have Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, the big three, battling it out every console generation. And I understand that not everybody has the money to buy all three. But we should want them all to have good experiences for the people that do want to invest in their favorite things. Like, why do you take that away from people? Like, I always say it all the time. Like, what, 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 do we, what do you get from taking the joy from someone else? You get nothing. You get nothing. You get nothing. But you know what? I'm I'm happy if Microsoft comes out swinging and they've got a superior hardware machine at a competitive cost and they've got a lineup of exclusive games that interest me. You're damn right I'll be there buying that day one. Of course, if Sony comes out and plays it safe and doesn't do anything cool and they don't make any more games and they're just like like with the PS3 for instance, they said it was it was a, a media machine that plays games. It wasn't a game machine that plays media, and the PS3 failed because they forgot what people loved about consoles which is the ability to play games like they just missed that and what's really funny is the 360 look at them going back and forth the 360 came out swinging after the ps2 they came out a year before the ps3 they went right after it the 360 had a ton of exclusive content you can only get on their system it was awesome it was cheaper it was powerful enough they had people making games for them then porting them to the overcomplicated ps3 it was easier to make games for the 360 these things all matter to a console success. And so 
this 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 war that's going on and this this seemingly the follow-up now is well you know sony's dead man this is all they had to show they must not have anything they were they were and then like people oh the oh you know the the sony guy was tired he looked tired like he he'd been stressed out like he knew they were gonna get blown out because microsoft laid laid waste to him you know like what are you talking about you know nothing about business you understand nothing about business which goes to my next thing i wanted to show here so i found this on twitter uh, through somebody, somebody shared it, and there's someone named the Crap Gamer. He's a YouTuber, does a Xbox podcast. Or I don't, I don't know who he is. Okay, he's a YouTube creator, host of Xbox Nation podcast, co-host of the MNC Show, aka Johnny Podcast. I don't know who this person is. I don't, I don't. It's fine. I don't have anything ill will against this person. But he retweeted Mikey Barr, who used to work for Microsoft, no longer does. was a, was a big deal uh, when it came to Microsoft and the Xbox division. So he retweets. Mikey Barr is saying what console he'll buy, and he says the PS5, and he'll play the Xbox exclusives on PC, which is a very fair comment because he's a PC gamer. So he's saying, I don't need an Xbox console to play Xbox games. I'll play them on a PC, so I'm going to buy a PS5 to play the exclusives, and then I'm going to play Xbox games on the PC. To which, crap, crap gamer, again, I don't know... I like I don't know what his deal is. Like I don't know if uh, like what he he's not seemingly a, a console fanboy in any in any sense. Uh, just seems to be like a console versus PC guy. Like saying console matters, which is fine. Uh, and so, Crab Gamer retweets him and says, "Exclusives sell consoles." Any questions? And he and he's not wrong. He's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that statement. That's an accurate statement. To which Mikey Barr replies, economic-wise, for my profile, it's better for Xbox if I'm a Game Pass subscriber, which I will be for PC, versus buying their console. I know that sounds weird, but it's accurate. The Game Pass strategy is very smart. Who cares where you play as long as you play in Xbox's world? To which he replies, I literally couldn't care less either way. Just pointing out if you have exclusives, you sell more consoles. Switch and PS4 are prime examples. If you sell more consoles, you can sell more software and subscriptions too. To which Mikey Barr replies, "Obvious. You like to push the narrative of who wins. In reality, you're looking as you're looking at it as if we're in the same console business from 15 years ago. We are not. The strength of Xbox is the forward narrative and strategy they have in place, not console sales. Scale is winning. And this goes on for quite a while. Them going back and forth. This person saying, "Oh, you just ended this guy's career," and he's like, "Xbox gets nothing from someone who buys on Steam or third-party games there on PC. Only the few dollars for Game Pass or if someone buys on Windows." So I, I, I hate to say it, but and again, I don't know this person. I'm not trash talking him or anything, but he's just inaccurate and wrong. And this, so this isn't necessarily an Xbox versus Sony guy. This is a console versus PC guy. And so he doesn't realize that the gaming market is completely different than it used to be. Console sales are still important if you use the old model. And, and Sony stuck to the old model last generation. But even Sony's doing things like PlayStation Now. Uh, Sony, you know, has PlayStation Plus. They added PlayStation Plus. You have to pay for to play online with the PS4. PS3, you you didn't need that. And so it is the the game is changing in in in, uh, in a sense where it's not all about console sales, especially because I'm and I'm telling you this right now, you're gonna start to see Xbox TVs. You're gonna see Samsung's exclusive Xbox TV, the XB TV. Because they're going to build in the hardware to be able to stream the Game Pass on that. It'll come with a controller so you can stream Bluetooth. It'll have Bluetooth connectivity. It'll stream the content 
from Game Pass. Now, Game Pass technically right now is a download thing, but eventually, like xCloud, I should say, not Game Pass. xCloud is going to be a streaming service. So you're going to eventually buy a TV that can stream these games. So at that point, you don't need to sell the Xbox system. You're selling the subscription. You're selling the hardware. And if you look at the cost of those subscriptions... In one year to two years' time, you've paid off the console. The console, by the way, which companies don't make money off of, especially this generation. They are packing as much power as possible into these things, yet they still have to get it under a certain threshold to be able to appeal to the mass market. So that's a balance that they're already struggling with. But here we are. you know. Th this, this, and, and this is the, the misunderstanding of, what I would say, even somebody who's not, he's not, I wouldn't say the crap gamer is uh, uh, the average gamer. He seems to understand the business quite, like he he's wrong in this regard, but he understands like he does podcasts, technology podcasts. He understands the business. He talks about sales. He understands like, he understands that console sales are good for a company, but for some reason he still thinks that this economy exists from back when and, and he doesn't see the future. Now when Mike Yabarro, who by the way did this for a living successfully for a very long time for Microsoft, is telling him it's all about scaling. And and the replies are just like kind of bonkers. Like he, he clearly he doesn't get it. Um and so he's he's arguing then that future success is all about console install base, which it's a metric. It's a good metric. I mean, it's not like if you said, oh, you know, our system sold less, but that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. You want your system to sell more than the competitor, but it doesn't mean that your strategy and your other revenues aren't successful as well. And so it just, there's a lot of this stupid stuff, man. And it's really, really dumb and kind of frustrating. So I, that's, this rant went on way longer than I thought it would. But this is, this is my issue with the current, not just console war, bs between sony and microsoft but you have this pc versus console you know i know they jokingly say pc master race whatever but there's reasons why consoles will will seemingly always exist until we get full streaming because with pcs there's always incompatibility issues like i played jedi fallen order on my pc had hooked up to my tv had my controller bluetooth in every now and then my laptop would just like my control would start rumbling and I would lose control. I had to take the batteries out, put the batteries back in, turn the controller back on and I would gain control of my character again. <laughs> I don't know why couldn't figure it out. I also had to run the game on a specific resolution or when I looked at the sky, it would be flickering and choppy. That's PC gaming for you though, because of all the different configurations, they can't test every configuration with every type of game. When you get a console, when they make that game for that console, they know exactly what they have in there. And they're able to make the experience to that. Even if the experience isn't as nice or as sharp as a PC, that's kind of the benefit to consoles and always has been, is that it works how it's supposed to, you know, or how they designed it to, as opposed to always having to fiddle with it or something with, with PCs. And I say that as a PC gamer, like I am a PC gamer big time. I'm half PC, half PS5, uh, PS4 probably at this point. Throwing a little bit of Switch, throwing a little bit of Xbox. But it's just it's just the truth. It's It's a convenience. And it's a convenience you pay extra for. You could build a PC way more powerful than a PS4 for probably the same price. But you're paying for the convenience of it coming in a box, buying a game, popping it in, and it works like it should. And, and there is value in that. And so anyway, my final thing here, let's just be better. Let's be smarter consumers. Is what I always say. Be better. Be smarter consumer. Read into things better. Don't fall for buzzwords. Buzzwords kill me. Ray tracing, 8K, 
teraflops. Just forget all the noise and just buy the system that you want to play. Look at the games that are coming. Look at the services that are coming and pick what's best for you. And that's it. There's no console war. It's wacky. It's silly. Just pick what you want and enjoy it. That's not that hard. <laughs> it really shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> but it is for some reason. Um, okay, let's see here. So now I got to... Well, I suppose I don't really need to <clears throat> do anything else there. <clears throat> but uh, let's see. Let's change my camera here a little bit. So now we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about... Oh, we got to do Games of the Decade, man. We got to do Games of the Decade. Uh, let me move my windows properly here. Get everything all shut up here. Um, okay. So the way I did this was I actually went through and picked the top games of every year in the decade, and then I have my top ten list. So I think this would be pretty fun. Um, this is really boring to look at probably. <laughs> uh, but let's see what we got here. So we're, we're just going to start it off. Let's, 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 let's hit it. So my games of the decade. Now, when we did this last night on the Dropcast, of course, there's always somebody who comes into chat and says something along the lines of, are you guys stupid? The decade doesn't end till 2011. And you're like, okay, yes. Cause technically year zero to year one was one year. One to two is two years. Listen, a decade is 10 years. A decade isn't just when a year hits the 10 or 11 mark. Okay? So that's first. Secondly, who cares? Who cares? It's a nice round number. So 2020 is here, and we're going to talk about all the games in the last 10 years that we liked. Okay? It's just... why? Do, again, people take away people's other people's joy of mental. It makes me crazy. So, here we go. In 2010... My top games of 2010, Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, Darksiders, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, and Deadly Premonition. My goodness, what a year. My goodness, what a year. Uh, now, of those, I chose Mass Effect 2 as my winner. Now, necessarily not all the winners from every year made it into the top 10, but this was like I picked a winner of that year. Because some years I thought had like two games that were better than the one winner from a year before or something like that. So just bear with me here. Mass Effect 2, to me, was the best game of 2010. 2011. Deus Ex Human Revolution, Dark Souls 1, Witcher 2, and Catherine. I put the winner of 2011 as Dark Souls. Dark Souls was really impactful for me. Uh, and it, it is a game, obviously, that was impactful and created a new genre for people to make games with similar mechanics. And so it's very influential. And most of the time, influential games are... More mass market, they're easier. This game doesn't do that. So it was able to break through the mass market even having a, a higher than average difficulty, I would say. Even though I don't think the game itself is actually that difficult, it's just like once you figure it out, it gets less punishing, you know? But if it was people's first intro into a FromSoft game, then yeah, you're looking at it like this is crazy. 2012, XCOM Enemy Unknown, Mass Effect 3, Torchlight 2, Dragon's Dogma. I'm not going to lie, 2012, yeesh, that, was, that was a rough year. I gave the winner to Mass Effect 3. Now, I know that the ending for Mass Effect 3 was very controversial, and it's not good, <laughs> but Mass Effect 3 was an excellent ending to the Mass Effect saga, 
up until the last 15 minutes. It tied everything up. I loved where they were going. I was engaged the entire time, and then the end of the game crapped the bed. But that doesn't mean that the whole game crapped the bed. In fact, the whole game was, was pretty good leading up to that point. 2013, GTA V, Last of Us, Gone Home, Zelda Link Between Worlds, Rogue Legacy, and Path of Exile. That was a banger of a year, 2013. How do you pick between GTA V and Last of Us? It's a tough one. I picked Last of Us. I had to. Last of Us. Ah, I mean, it was just... It, I still think it's the pinnacle of Naughty Dog's storytelling, even though Uncharted 4 was excellent. Uh, Last of Us was great. It did everything right. It had this cool, unique universe you were a part of, and it just felt it felt it felt good, and it felt real. It felt people's responses in these situations were very real, and I like that. Uh, 2014, ugh, another another light year. Oops, another light year. We had South Park: Stick of Truth, Shovel Knight. And Lethal League, and I had to stretch for Lethal League. So in 2014, my game of the year was South Park: Stick of Truth, which I do love. Um, I the South that was to me the perfect end to the South Park. Like if if South Park ended that day, that game was the perfect uh, encapsulation of everything South Park up to that point. 2015, th this was an unbelievable year. So here we go: 2015, Witcher 3, Metal Gear Solid 5. Fallout 4, Bloodborne, Rocket League, Her Story, Batman Arkham Knight, Until Dawn, and Axiom Verge. All incredible games. All good games. Indie stuff like Her Story, Rocket League, bust onto the scene. Axiom Verge, classic Metroid type, just awesome. And then Witcher 3, Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 5, and Arkham Knight all came out within like a month of each other. It was like, those are the games I played. I want to say I played... I thought it was Batman, Witcher 3, Metal Gear, I think was the order I played them in. And it was like back to back to back. Like that was that summer of 2015. So I actually had to pick two winners here. I picked Witcher 3 and Bloodborne. And now I know you're saying, Greg, you're a Metal Gear guy. How'd you not pick Metal Gear Solid 5? Metal Gear Solid 5 was a disappointment to me, unfortunately. While I loved the gameplay, the story was not told in a cohesive way. It was not entirely finished. And I was very disappointed in what we got. So 2016. We have games like Inside, Dark Souls 3, Uncharted 4, Firewatch, Stardew Valley, Last Guardian, Salt and Sanctuary, and Devil Daggers. Devil Daggers is like the weird weird one on that list, but I had a great time playing that, so I put it on there. I gave the winner to Uncharted 4 for 2016. Uncharted 4, you never thought was going to come. You thought that 3 was the end. That was it. They announced 4. They, they pigeonhole in a whole new character that you're supposed to care about, and you do. They somehow put this new character and they rushed it all in and it was great. It was fantastic. Everything's excellent there. Just excellent. 2017. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Resident Evil 7. Mario Odyssey. Cuphead. Night in the Woods. Observer. Another great year for games. Breath of the Wild. Resident Evil 7. Mario Odyssey. And Cuphead. I mean, those four games were all just excellent there. I had a great time with all of them. I gave the winner another tie. Cuphead and Breath of the Wild. Resident Evil 7 was hard not to pick. I loved Resident Evil 7. Absolutely loved it. But man, look at that year. How was I supposed to pick? So I picked Cuphead and Breath of the Wild. Uh, Breath of the Wild, for me, reminded me of the Legend of Zelda games of old. The ones that actually gave you... The, the ones that actually let you explore, and you figured out the world. It didn't, it didn't push you in a certain direction. It was just, here's the world. You want to do shrines? Go ahead. You want to find Korok seeds? Go ahead. You want to explore? Go ahead. You want to fight these those 
minotaur things, go ahead. You want to go do dungeons and fight guardians? There's some story there. Go ahead. Arguably, the dungeons were kind of weak, and there were only four of them, not counting the final castle. But it was still fun. It was still really, really fun. So Breath of the Wild and Cuphead 2017 winners. 2018, Monster Hunter World, God of War, Spider-Man, Far Cry 5, Nino Kuni 2, A Way Out, and Messenger. Six or seven incredible games. Eight incredible games? Whatever. Tons. Lots. I gave the winner, I co-winnered again to Spider-Man and Monster Hunter World. Monster Hunter World I've put like 400 hours into. How could I not put it on there? <laughs> I had to. And then, of course, Spider-Man I did name as my game of the year 2018, uh, two years ago. 2019, so just last year, fresh in my brain. Sekiro, Control, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Bloodstained, Mordha, Zelda Link's Awakening, Valfaris, Blasphemous, Tetris 99. It was just awesome. Like, what an incredible freaking year for games just last year was. It's just, man, this is, that's why when I get so frustrated when people talk about gaming and they get so disappointed and whatever, there are so many amazing experiences out there. You don't have enough time to play everything. So don't stress about a console you can't own or don't you, if you have just a switch or just a PS4 or just an Xbox one, you have way too many games to play to complain about not having more of something. So it's whatever, just do it. Just enjoy what we're at. So that was my, those are my winners. And I want to give a quick shout out to 2009. Now, 2009 was, I didn't include it in this list, but here's 2009 on, on the fringe. Batman Arkham Asylum, Uncharted 2, Borderlands, Assassin's Creed 2, Infamous, Demon's Souls, Shadow Complex. <laughs> that, that was just another, like, that's a Greg-ass year. I, and I, Demon's Souls, man, that, that, that's technically the, the beginning of everything we have that's Dark Souls, even though Demon's Souls being a console exclusive didn't break through to mass market. Dark Souls did, Demon's Souls still started it. And Demon's Souls arguably is more fun than Dark Souls. Just Dark Souls has a better world. And like Dark Souls took that formula and perfected it, I think. You know, they didn't do the teleporting between bonfires right away. You had to walk everything, but there were shortcuts. Like the world made sense. And I think that's part of the beauty of Dark Souls. So that was our, our honorable mention of 2009 being a little bit on the fringe. So that puts us at top 10 games of 2020. Greg at the drop rate. Game Talk Radio. Top 10. Number 10, Mass Effect 2. Very impactful game for me. It, it did everything that Mass Effect 1 did right, did it better. Number 9, Spider-Man. was my game of the year 2018. Uh, it still resonates with me. There's a part of me that wants to start it all over and play again. I'm not going to, but I would think about it. I actually just wish there was more stuff to do in the city now that I'm done. Number th number 8, Witcher 3. Witcher 3, um, just it's just it's like Elder Scrolls with Soul. You know, it has it has life. It has feel that that those games feel empty. Witcher takes that medieval fantasy, open world, whatever you want to say it is, and then it just instills this sense of like life and energy into it that isn't existent in other open world RPGs like it. Number seven, Breath of the Wild. Again, I love this Zelda. I know a lot of people are hit or miss on this game because people who like previous Zeldas, this one is lacking a certain narrative. I thought it was great. Did it do everything perfect? No. Did it even do some open world stuff? Perfect. It did some. I liked the world. I liked the physics of everything. I liked how it all... Like, I didn't care about its flaws. That's how much the things I liked drew me in. Absolutely loved it. Number six, Bloodborne. Bloodborne. Ugh. I don't I don't even know where to start with that. It's, it's, a, it's a FromSoft game, obviously. 
but with a Victorian aesthetic. Man, Bloodborne's excellent. It's difficult. It focuses more on action, though, as opposed to Dark Souls, where you can play a lot more defensively. And then that rolls right into another FromSoft game at number five, Sekiro. So Sekiro, also more action-oriented like Bloodborne, except it has a parry mechanic, and it's uh, it's in like this Japanese mythology. Just absolutely like love the aesthetic of both those games. While they're both night and day different, both fantastic. Uh, coming in at number four, Last of Us. Again, I just love the story, and th the way the humans act at the end of that game is to me the most realistic response. There's a lot of selfishness going on under the guise of helping someone else. Really deep characters, incredible voice acting work. I mean, it's all good. And they just, the game just makes you feel equal parts dread, equal parts sadness, equal parts happiness. Um, it's, it's, it's was, was an excellent experience. And I experienced it a second time when my wife played through it and I, and I watched her play it and it was just as good. I mean, I'm so glad she got through it because it was just excellent. Um, number three, Cuphead. I had to put Cuphead up high on here because one, I love everything about that damn game. I love the difficulty. I loved that I beat it. I love the look of it. I love the animations. I love the music. And I love that most people don't beat it because it's too hard. And there's just something about that game that just resonates with me. And I, I buy the merchandise. Like, I'm not normally a sucker for merch except for Metal Gear stuff. And Cuphead, I bought the vinyl soundtrack. I bought plushies. I bought... It's just... I'm stupid for it. I just love the look so much. It's so damn cute. Number two, Monster Hunter World. Had to put it on here. It, it, it originally wasn't in my top 10. It was like one of those stealth games like World of Warcraft was back in the day where you put like a million hours into it, but it wasn't in your top games of the year, but you put that much time into it, so it does deserve some amount of that respect. So I had to put it up there. I've got f almost 500 hours into Monster Hunter World. Every time I do a new monster event, I come back and play it some more. The game's great. I don't still play it, but I've been playing it a lot in the two years that it's been out. And I've got 500 hours into it. And when I go back to it to play, it's still fun. It's still somehow unique, even though it's the same game it's always been. Every fight is unique because sometimes you whoop the monster's ass and sometimes they whoop your ass. <laughs> Just back and forth. Plus this one, they took care of a lot of the quality of life things that made Monster Hunter a little boring. This game just was like, nope, forget it. Here you go. Everything's going to be easy peasy. Let's, let's make it mainstream. And it really blew up this one. So good for Capcom. Great game. Which then, if you've been following and paying attention, number one, top 10 games of 20 of the decade, the last 10 years, Dark Souls. Had to do it. Dark Souls is is my game of the decade. It, it I've played through it multiple times. I've played through it on Switch. I played through it on PS3 originally, then PS4 with my brother. Played through it multiple times with my friend Mike. It's just, uh, man, it's just every time I play it too, it's just as good as I remember. I love blasting through the early parts. There's parts I dread. There's secrets I remember finding. There's things I've done that I didn't do the last time before. And then the DLC, the Artorias DLC, is excellent. Got a little bit of time travel paradox action going on. Very cool stuff. And so Dark Souls, my game of the last 10 years. And then I want to do a really quickly an honorable mentions for the top 10 of the decade. I put South Park in there. I put Blasphemous in there. I really liked that game, and, and I had a lot of fun 100%ing that. Uh, God of War deserved to be in that list i mean god of war for ps4 was excellent uncharted 4 gta 5 and bloodstained like bloodstained was really good if bloodstained had been a pixel based game i think it would have been a lot higher for me i don't like the 2.5d look but that game was real nice and i platinumed it 100 percent of that game enjoyed every second of it so that's my games of that's my game by game for each year and then my final games of the last 10 years my favorite experiences and now we start anew and so now in uh in twenty in twenty thirty, <laughs> if heaven heaven willing, I'm still here. I will have for you 
uh, another of this last uh, starting this year until 2030. So it would be pretty wild. All right, so that's it for my Game of the Decade stuff. Blasted through it a little bit faster than I normally would have just because I talked way more about the Xbox Sony fanboy stuff, and I have a ton of uh, pickup pile of the week to get through because I've, I've been it's been bonkers. So let me have some more of my agua. Now, any self-respecting podcast would just cut that out in post. Not this guy. Not this guy. We just leave it in. And you all love it. You just lap it up. Um, <laughs> so, first up, let's talk about our game of the week. So this week, our game of the week is Dragon Ball GT Final Bout for the PS1. So this is a very interesting PS1 game. So the this was, at the time the only Dragon Ball game we'd had in the United States, not counting Dragon Power for the NES, which was a Dragon Ball game that they re- that they just called Dragon Power because nobody in the United States knew what Dragon Ball was. Dragon Ball GT was a one-on-one fighting game, and it had all the characters like from Dragon Ball Z through GT. So they had Cell, Goku, young a little Goku from GT, uh, Vegeta, Trunks, you know, whatever, everybody. This game is a very crunchy 3D fighter. It's not great, but it was super expensive for the longest time. This game used to be, I think, 250 bucks or something. At When I worked at GameStop, we had a used copy come in. And uh, and so thankfully, they re-released it, which is pretty cool. So they re- like when Atari kind of came back and, and they published, they got the rights to the Dragon Ball publishing rights on PS2. They republished this game on PS1, which is kind of nice. Had different cover art, so you can get both variants, which I have both variants here in front of me. It was very cool. Um, like I said, the game's kind of crunchy, and I remember someone having a burned CD of it and having to use a Game Shark to play it just so we could try this Dragon Ball game. Because when this came out on PS One, we were finally getting Dragon Ball Z here in the states, and so I remember thinking like, "Oh man, like like," or we've had it, we had it for a little while, you know. And I was just like, "Man." why aren't there any Dragon Ball Z games? And then you find one and it's super rare and expensive on PS1, yada, yada, yada. So the game itself, not super great. It is like compared to 3D fighters now, and there've been many better Dragon Ball fighters since, but they had a really weird mechanic where when you were going up through like the single player, the more you used a move, the more powerful it got. So like if you just sat there and just spammed like right punches, bam, 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 your right punch would be your strongest move. So you could walk up there, just wham, like right punch somebody, do a ton of damage. And so it was kind of manipulative, but it was fun, like in a fighting game and in a Dragon Ball Z game, especially that kind of makes sense, right? Like you're training, quote unquote, and you're increasing the power of your moves. And the more you use a move, the better you are at it. I like that. It was kind of inventive, I think, for PS1 fighting games. Uh, I don't think any fighters were really doing that at the time. But yeah, Dragon Ball GT Final Bout. It's a rare one on PS1. I don't even know what it goes for really anymore. I don't know if it's. Uh, let's take a quick look here. I I don't want to say it's. I want to say it's like around thirty or forty bucks, maybe. Let's see here. So final bout. Like the original printing of the disc, it goes for about fifty. And then the reprint goes for about 15 so it's 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 a nothing burger um the reprint actually is nicer cover art too <laughs> it's got like um super saiyan 4 uh goku on the front as opposed to the regular dragon ball gt just had regular goku and his blue gi in the front but 
in any case, it's a pretty fun game. If you like Dragon Ball Z, I would definitely check it out. But sadly, it is, um, you know, it's not the best fighter. You can get better fighting games, but it's still a really cool piece of, like, kind of PS1 history. All right. I gotta be really careful here. I got a towering stack of games for my pickup pile of the week here. So let's see if I can get some order to this madness here real quick. So let's put all the Switch gamers together. We got some Switch. We got some Switchums. Dave and I call those Switchums. We got some PS4 here. Oh my goodness. We got some Genesis. We got we got a whole bunch of stuff. All right. So let's start with uh, Switch games on the top. So I, I got from Limited Run my Turok 1 and 2 2 pack. So Night Dive Studios, which is currently remaking System Shock for the PC. They did a PC port of Turok and Turok 2. That port then got ported to the Switch. And so now you're able to play Turok 1 and 2, a cleaned up PC version on your Nintendo Switch. And Limited Run did the physical version. And there's a two-pack with a sleeve to hold them both. It's pretty cool. I finally picked up a copy of Luigi's Mansion 3. I haven't played it yet, but uh, that is on my list. I want to try. And then I got this import. looked really good from PlayAsia. Um, you can get it digitally, of course, but it's called Gigantic Army. And it kind of looks like a like a Contra slash Metroid type side-scroller. Looks really good. It's, it's more Contra, I would say. More like a Metal Warriors Contra side-scroller, kind of like that. Uh, for PS2, I picked up a copy of Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. Now, I had not had this one yet. And in fact, I looked through my collection, and somehow I don't have... Somehow I don't have any of the Grand Theft Auto games in my collection. It's probably because they're so common, and I see them so often that I didn't really think about it. But I gotta get those in there, because Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City were awesome. And then Vice City Stories and Liberty City Stories, those were the PSP games that got ported to PS2. So very good stuff. So I, I put a copy of Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories in my collection. I got this one. This is a 3DO game. It's a turn-based RPG. I played this when it came in on the 3DO. Very cool game. It's called Lucian's Quest. And it was really fun. I played it on a 3DO that came in for trade, and I loved it. And I'm on a real big JRPG kick, as you all have heard me say every single week. And so I, I picked that up. It's about a $150 game. Um, and that's unfortunately just the jewel case. I don't have the outer box or anything for it. And then, uh, I got a few weird reproductions or, or remakes in. So metal storm, um, was it Castlemania games had done a, like a, a re a remake of metal storm. Not really a remake. It's the same game, but they reprinted the cartridge in a new black box. It's really sweet. So I got that in metal storm is a great game. I still want to get the original obviously for the collection, but this was cheaper and it's technically new and it looks really nice. And then I got a, a copy. This was an original Genesis game made called Ultra Core. Now, this was from Strictly Limited Games. And it, it basically, it's a, it's a Contra type, I would say. Um, but it, it looks pretty cool. I got the old-school Genesis black box version. Um, so I got to play that sometime. And then I got, for PS4, from Red Art Games, I got a copy of Halloween Forever. So... Many, many years ago, I went to Midwest Gaming Classic, and I saw a booth there of people who had made a Nintendo game and put it on a reproduction cart, and it's called, like, Halloween 86. Is that right? Halloween 86, I think, yeah. And I met them. I met the, the creator of the game. I, I shook their hand. I talked to them a little bit about it, said it looked great, bought a boxed copy of their physical copy they made, and it was great. Well, they've since ported it to Steam and to PS4, and now they have a physical copy that was done through... Uh, red art games and i bought that because it's really cool and i might actually take this to midwest and if they're there again i might have them sign it it's gonna be kind of cool they're they're young developers you know and they're they're it's it's just nice i don't know it's just something cool about like watching people live their dreams man you know i like i like being a part of that uh for ps4 i picked up a copy of bard's tale the remastered one for ps4 
Um, I got a copy of Mercenary Wings, The False Phoenix. This is like a, uh, a turn-based kind of tactical RPG. It looks really good. Uh, I got Duck Game, finally. I don't know anything about this except that it looks incredible. And people always talk about this on PC all the time, so I really, really want to play it. Uh, and it's got really, I guess, really cool multiplayer as well. And then also from Limited Run, got my Star Wars Race of Revenge. So this is a, a PS2 game that got ported to PS4. And Limited Run was able to work with like LucasArts or LucasFilms to like republish their old PS2 games and do physical PS4. So like Limited Run's doing a lot of Star Wars stuff, which is you know pretty cool for them. They're big Star Wars fans, so I'm you know I'm happy for them. Uh, then we had uh, I got a couple complete Super Nintendo games. This 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 was nice. This actually came from Rob Store in Oshkosh, Start Over Games. But uh, I got King of Dragons. This is actually like a more like a beat 'em up than it is an RPG. Good Capcom beat em up. Got a copy of Final Fight 2. Really nice condition in the box. I He had a Final Fight 3 also, but that box was just hammered. It just looked awful. And then I got a boxed copy of Illusion of Gaia, which I somehow didn't have, but I kept not finding a nice condition one. And the only one I found that was in great shape was at Midwest Gaming Classic last year. And the guy wanted like $200 for it. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. That game is a $40 to $60 game. Mint in the box, maybe push 100 it is not a $200 game. Shame on you, sir. And then I gave him a tip of the old Tribly. No, I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't wearing a top hat. And then uh, I had a Sega Saturn game also from Rob Store called Crime Wave. And this is kind of a top-down racing game. It looks kind of like GTA, except that uh, you're like a cop trying to stop these crimes, and you drive around blowing stuff up. You have guns and stuff on your car. It looks just dope as hell. Uh, and then we have... Um, a VHS tape. I know you're thinking, Greg, it's a, uh, you're talking about VHS tape, man. This is video games. So there's a, there was a, a magazine that came out in the 80s and 90s called Game Players Magazine. And I used to have a few. Uh, I tweet out that picture of the one that has Link on the front, and he looks like he just wants to die on the inside or that he's dead on the inside. So they apparently made Game Players game tapes. And I don't even know how you got these. I have to do some research to see if you had to, like, if you got these with your magazine subscription or if you had to pay extra. But this one has Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Skate or Die, Defender of the Crown, and Metal Gear on it. And so that's dope. And this is still sealed, actually. Rob got in this incredible collection. And so this is uh, Volume 1, Number 6. So that tells me there's at least six of these tapes floating around. And I think Rob only got three or four of them. So it, I'm very curious. Like Collecting these would be really interesting. I also am thinking I have a, uh, I have a VCR that does component out. And I might run that through my Frame Meister and actually upload some of these VHS tapes to YouTube if, if they're not on there in their entirety i think it'd be really cool um but uh it had metal gear on it so obviously as a metal gear collector i had to do it and that's that so that is it that is my pickup pile of the week it is a monstrous one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirty forty fifty six seventeen seventeen games and our game of the week is dragon ball gt final bout uh as always i so appreciate y'all um, thank you for sticking around with me all these, uh, you know, all these years and, and, uh, and these weeks when I'm not here, I know it's really easy to be like, Oh, it's not happening. Let's stop listening or to get out of the routine of listening every week. And I just really appreciate it. So thank you everybody for always for listening and watching. We will be back next week. We'll keep doing our thing. It is, uh, you know, it is, we're, we're back in the groove, man. It's a new year. It's a, it's a, it's a new decade. Not technically. Um, <laughs> It's it's 2020, man. This is the future. Every time you like the raid 2020 on NES or Cyberpunk Cyberpunk 2020, you know th this is the future. Now. You gotta start living like the future. So, 
Uh, I appreciate you all very much, though, and thanks for always being with me on this wacky ride that we call Game Talk Radio. Follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. Subscribe to us on YouTube at, at YouTube.com slash DropRate. Follow and subscribe on Twitch if you have that free Amazon sub. Twitch.tv slash TheDropRate. Always look for the yellow and gray DR logo. That'll typically get you there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Take it easy. Have a good day. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.